Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today. Whether you're listening over at pathtozion.com or watching the video version here on YouTube, thank you for joining us. If you want to reach out to us and give us a question, a challenge, uh, a critique, pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com is the place to do it. We would love to get to know you, hear your story, and uh, listen to your opinion and vantage point towards anything that we might share on here. Now today is a very impromptu, unplanned episode. And I'm trying to work out some technical difficulties. There's a little bit of a delay. Hopefully this will work itself out. I've already restarted this computer. Um, I titled today, Hear My Cry for Mercy. Hear My Cry for Mercy. And I just want to share for a few minutes from the posture of heart towards our first love reality. And I have to give a little bit of a background as to why. Um, but if you've, if you've been following the program at all, and we th we're, we're thankful for new subscribers that are coming in. I just did this series that, that culminated yesterday. Part 3 posted yesterday, the conclusion of purposed in heart. And what we talked about out of Daniel, if you've not seen it, we'll link to it here down below, is how Daniel and his three friends, in just a few verses, were told clearly that these men had a resolve already established in their heart. They had purposed in their heart to not be defiled men. We won't rehash the whole thing, but basically I, I, I put out the premise, if you will, my attempt was, to show that when, when trial comes, when, when challenges come, when tribulations come, we have got to be ready before they get here, upon their arrival. When trials come, when tribulations come, that's not the time to prepare. That's not the time to make sure we're set. And so we talked about that, and, and the, the big question that I posed is, are you prepared for what's coming? And I answered the question for you, and I said, no, you're not. And neither am I. I don't care how much someone is a prepper or, or all these things we've done, how many times we've read, you know, Backwoods magazine and all these things that we have in the natural. The absolute first and foremost thing that we must be sure that we have done is we have prepared our innermost place. We have purposed in our heart to keep the commands of the Father to the utmost ability that we have. And everything else is going to have to fall where it may. Now, we're going to have to make decisions and all those things, of course. But there has to be a deep-seated place in us to be unmoved. And so I guess I, I, I would say that, that what happened today that I'm going to share, and the reason I'm even jumping on here to do a quick podcast uh, this evening, is I was just trying to stay in a, in a mode of prayer today. It was so hot here while I was out working. I didn't even put my earbuds in to listen to any messages or anything. So I just had a day of, of, of dialogue with my father and asking him, what is the Spirit saying? What do I do with what I'm hearing and feeling in me and in my household? And what I feel in any measure I have to say to the body of Messiah, to call her out and up, to awaken her, and so that was kind of the posture of my heart. I give you that as a preface of why, of really why I went here and how I 
was led here today into a certain circumstance. And so fast forward, I'm done with work and I'm driving home. And I'm just continuing, I'm just praying, and I'm just thinking through several scenarios of, I guess, possibility based upon factors that are ongoing in life on the earth, specifically here in America where I live, kind of where things are, are, are shifting and moving and uh, uh, <laughs> a direction that we're going. It's just a matter of how quickly will we get there, really. How quick is the car going to move? is really the only question. The end game is prophesied. This nation will fall. She's not a godly nation. I don't believe she ever has been. If you watch the program, you know that. That takes quite a long time to unpack properly. But I just had this heaviness today, um, a rightful heaviness, one that I would say is beneficial for us, to cry out for Yahweh's mercy. As, as I'm going through some scenarios in my head that I'll have to explain, I was thinking towards... In all honesty, some worst-case scenarios um, in regards to the hour that we're living in. Not fear-driven, not fear-based. Now, it could have turned that very quickly. It could have gone that route very quickly for me. That was kind of my past, uh, pre-regeneration, um, and several years into my sanctification process. You know, 15 years ago, and many years previous, I'm getting ready to be 48 now, and most of my life was driven by fear and dread. Um, very imaginative, always worrying, always wondering. I've shared on the program, there would be many times I would text, or even before texting was a thing, call my wife at work, are you okay? Is everything all right? I had this horrible visual of something bad happening to you. Are you okay? And if I couldn't get a hold of her, I would panic. And I've shared on that, I've shared about that on the program before, and I was delivered of that, freed. And so to be clear, this isn't a fear-driven, you know, experience to just feel the the worst case scenario by any means that would be foolishness but i was just practically thinking and asking the lord am i ready towards certain things that i think are very possibly coming to me in my household now i don't know how you live i don't know where you are whether you're in the city or whether you're in the country what what nation you live in we have listeners in different nations and in lands and I don't know how in the world you find the program, but, you know, you're not all Americans. And so everybody's way of life is different, even here in this nation. Some live in metro areas. Some live out in the country, unplugged. And whatever the case, whatever the case, what's coming will get to us all. It will affect us. It already is affecting everyone everywhere in some way or another, in ways you wouldn't even expect. Or we may not even realize quite yet or in whatever increment it's allowed to go out and affect us in greater measure. And the increment that, that the holder of the dial, whoever that is, has in mind. But I was just thinking about some things, and I guess to finish that train of thought, like I know that we'll be, in a sense, marked. Um, we believe in what the Scripture talks about in the New Testament, about being a quiet people who mind your own business and... We're not trying to make a scene and, and, you know, take a stand and make sure everybody knows by flying flags out of my house and being ugly about stuff. I believe in that. I believe in the, in the former <laughs> of, of just being quiet and respectful and kind and gentle and like a real-life person that someone might want to engage in that, that looks a little bit like Yeshua and invites. Now, in, 
You, just like Yeshua, it draws some in and it drives some out. Ironically, it drives more religious Christian America out than, than the world. I don't know. It's kind of strange, but that's for another day. Whatever the case may be with that, this is not a fear issue. But there are some things that I know, just as being a, a grown man, there are some things that, that will mark us um, in days to come. And so I was trying to think through ways that would challenge me, that I need to be settled in my own heart, that I, Father, what ways in me do I need to be settled and sure and set? In, in what ways have I not settled my own heart, postured, purposed? And so I was asking the question. So I started thinking towards some real tender areas in my life specifically my son. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details. It's unnecessary. But what I was, what I was thinking through and, and, and kind of examining myself about, well, how would I respond if X unfolded and happened? And I just found myself really breaking down. I found myself at a loss because I, I know how I would like to respond and I know how I probably would. And I'm not sure those are the same. So I was asking the Father to just root out that, that natural flesh man in me. That's my opinion. Many people would think, that's justified. Do whatever you got to do and all that. We, we talk about that a lot as well. I understand that. But if I'm going to be a man who's purposed in his heart to be like Yeshua all the way to the end and nobody takes my life, I lay it down, and everything that's in the periphery of my life that is under my jurisdiction, if you will, which is a big word. I'm responsible for my family, for my home. I don't hold that lightly and just flippantly in some hippie Jesus like, oh, it doesn't matter. Brother Jesus will work it all out. Now, I'm not saying that, nor am I saying I'm a militant, take action, do everything by my own power and my own natural man tendency to keep my family safe. I don't do that either. And so I try to find a baseline that originates and starts with and is fueled by being a spiritual man, first and foremost, as much as I know how. I practice that. Now, I'm still natural in many ways. I get riled up. I get offended. You know, threaten somebody in my family, and brother, this is going to be a problem. Well, I'm trying to die to that. In rightful measure, be a controlled man, a Holy Spirit man. <laughs> But I was thinking about these things, and, and, and let me get to the point to keep this somewhat brief. I want to read a lot of Scripture. That's going to be 90% of what we're going to do here today. How do we know? I have a question. How do we know that we're abased? That's a word you don't hear very often. Me and another brother used to use that a lot um, in our relationship here. Um, <laughs> abased. We just don't talk about that word a lot. What does it mean to be broken? We're going to talk about these verses. Contrite. What does it mean to be obliterated? So much so that the only thing that's left is literally Messiah. His actions, his attributes, his functions, his words, his thoughts, his perspective on what he sees. That whatever comes... We talked about this just weeks ago, and I'm not even going to remember what it was about. At, the, at this moment, it doesn't matter. We talked about perspective, how, how Yeshua saw something, 
and he did not see it according to his fleshly sight. His entire perspective was different. He looked at a situation. We talked about the fish and loaves and the feeding of the thousands. The disciples acted like you would and I would, and they said, there's nothing here. Send everyone away. Yeshua said, what do you have? We talked about that principle. What do you have? What is here to work with? What do we have? So I've been trying to labor to become that man in greater measure. And so today, I felt broken. I felt abased. Now, the goal is not to be repentant and grievous merely one time in our lives, to be saved. We've all had that moment. If you are a born-again, regenerated Christ-man believer and your life is no longer your own, and you lost your life for the sake of Yeshua Messiah, and it's no longer you that live, if in fact those things are true and you didn't just say a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, where Ezekiel blows that out of the water and says that's not even possible, if, if, if the new heart was given to you that can feel and respond to the Creator, then what? You are constantly in a, a perpetual repentance. You're constantly seeing your depravity, your failures, your lowliness. You're in a constant condition of your first love reality. That's really what I want to get at. So... If you do feast and Sabbath, or if you don't, and this, this might intrigue you, there's, there's, there's basically what we could summarize simply as a season, if you will, of teshuvah. Teshuvah in, in Hebrew is a, is a time of repentance. It is repentance. It's a turning. But it, in the fall feast, there's this season of teshuvah, of, of introspection, of, of where am I, where am I not, what needs to shift in me, and, and every single thing that I need to do is found within locking my gaze upon the Father. And it's, it's more about turning back to the Father more so than turning away from sin. Okay, because if we turn to Him, sin's out of here, right? A lot of times we try to get this out of our life or get this stronghold gone or break this habit of the flesh man of the old sin nature, and we get so focused on leaving it, we forget that it all goes when we gaze upon the Father, and He is our entire satisfaction. He is our entire need fulfilled in Him, in him, in Himself. Not in His hand, but in His beholding His face, right? And so, how do we know when we've tapped into the heart of the Father? Let me just explain today. Let me take a drink of my iced coffee here. So I know just for a second of what to share and what not. This is a very personal moment for me today. And I don't mind sharing it if it, if it speaks to people and has a purpose. But as I was going through these waves of crying out for mercy towards a couple certain very specific scenarios... And so, like, my heart, my mind, my imagination is towards a scenario. And I'm crying out, Lord, have mercy. Father, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. I don't know what I'll do. I will need your strength. I'll need your wisdom. Holy Spirit, I'll need you to teach me all things according to these matters that I don't know how I will handle. And if they come, which is very probable that they will... I need, I need you to begin now. 
a work in me, to prepare me for what's coming. And if it doesn't come, so be it. Amen. I'm prepared and postured for whatever else may come. But I'm just crying out for mercy in this literal crying, crying like tears and loud in my truck, this mercy cry. As I'm doing that, I begin to envision people in my life. Individuals I know now, family, friends, brothers, sisters in, in, in the body. And I began to cry out for them, have mercy towards this one and this one and this one and this one and that one. Have mercy, O oh Father, please. Not go easy on them and let us all cruise through or else the, the message I just did, the three-part series, wouldn't have any relevance to this. And I would be talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm not crying out for just poof deliverance. I'm saying, prepare us, Father, to endure. Have mercy. Have mercy. Remember me. Remember her. Remember my son. Remember us, Father. And in many cases, towards individuals, forgive them and remember and show them mercy, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. They don't see. They don't understand. Just like me for most of my life, they don't understand. Have mercy, have mercy. And so I would say this, how do we know that we've tapped into the heart of the Father? I mean, for real now. How do we know? We can answer this many ways, but towards prayer and crying out, I would say I felt like I was really tapping into the heart of the Father when when I realized several minutes in, I was crying out for mercy for people who have hurt me. For people I just don't know what to do with. <laughs> Could we say the proper understanding and verbiage of, of our enemies? Those who oppose us, those who try to make us look foolish because of what we're doing or, or, or won't ever listen because ah, I just don't believe that way. I looked into that and just forget it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about how much you love the Bible from cover to cover, Joel. And see, like even that, like that rawness of, of I mean, do you have anyone in your life that you're just hurt by? That in your heart now, in the deepest places, someone who's just, whether deliberately or just by the way life plays out, just really hurt you? I would say we all have. And we're all in different places towards repairing that. But I was finding myself, my spirit, crying out for mercy towards specific individuals who I just don't normally pray for like that. And it got my attention. And so we, when we pray wholeheartedly for people who have hurt us, or who are even openly against us, maybe even mocked us. I believe we pray for, when we pray for them like we pray for ourselves, then we get the heart of the Father. We get the heart of the Father. We understand that He desires for none to perish. And interestingly enough, right after that, I end up having a phone call with someone finding out some dire news about someone's literal physical well-being. 
reminded of just the brevity and shortness of life and how everything else that can get in the middle's gotta go between family and friends and neighbors, people who have broken relationship and it grieves the Father because we're not united as a family or even as a capital F family in the body of Messiah because of all of our differences. So from here on out, I'm just primarily going to read Scripture, have probably a two-minute summary, and that's going to be it today. And Please don't check out. I wrestle with that when I listen to someone. I say, okay, we're going to read two chapters now. I just, oh, okay, I've heard that. Please don't do that. And, and, and ask yourself, and, and many, of this, many of these are going to be um, words that David has, has spoken out of his own mouth. A man after God's own heart now, after all he did, all his mess, and we're not validating it or excusing it. He was a man with some severe issues. It's no excuse to, well, David did that, and he was a man after, no, it's not excusatory, but still factual that he was a man after the heart of the Father. Psalm 130, verse 10. Hear me, Adonai, and show me your favor. Adonai, be my helper! Exclamation point. When was the last time you cried out with a loud voice for help? People who are sick. People who are dying. People who are depraved. People who are desperate and don't know it whether it's you or someone else, <laughs> are we crying out with a loud voice, with an exclamation point, like we are truly a people in need of rescue? I've said it many times before as a, just a clear teaching example, metaphor. Man, if you're drowning and you cry out the way we normally cry out to Yahweh, we would drown and die. No one would even hear us. But if we cried out like our life depended on it, and we say, save me, save me, help, we get rescue, we get delivered, we get removed. Many times. Why? Be my helper. Luke chapter 6. I say to you, you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. I tell you, love your enemies, Yeshua says. Pray for those who persecute you. Then, then, if you do that, you will become children of your Father in heaven. You'll become the offspring of Yahweh. If you pray for those who persecute you. Why? For he makes his sun shine on good and bad people alike. He sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous alike. We've been talking about that as we move into some Ecclesiastes studies. What reward do you get if you only love those who love you? Anyone can do that. The world does that. Yeshua said, even tax collectors do that. And if you are friendly only to your friends, are you doing anything out of the ordinary? In other words, big deal. Even the goyim, the nations, those outside of the people of Elohim, they do that. Therefore, be perfect, 
just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, this word perfect in New Testament is perfected in integrity and virtue. Mature. Be perfected, man. Act like your Father, which is what? 2 Samuel chapter 22, uh, 26 through 34. As for Yahweh, his way is perfect. Now, this is the Hebrew version of the New Testament word where we're told, just as your Father in heaven is perfect, be perfect. Be like him. So we're told then in 2 Samuel 22, if you follow that, the, that word back to the understanding in Hebrew, it's tamim, upright and without blemish. Like That's the Father. Be like your Father. His way is perfect. The word of Adonai has been tested by fire. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God but Adonai? Who is a rock but our Elohim? He is my strength. He is my protection. He makes my way go straight. He makes me swift, sure-footed as a deer, and enables me to stand on high places. Psalm 27, 7. Listen, Adonai, to my voice when I cry. That's what I did today, friend. Show favor to me. Answer me. My heart said of you, seek my face. Your face, Adonai, I will seek. We talked about that just at the beginning of the program. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You are my help. Don't abandon me. Don't leave me, Elohim, my Savior. Even though my father and mother have left me, Adonai will care for me. It's a man who felt abandoned, but he's crying out for the father to bring him into his safety as a servant. Psalm chapter 61, hear my cry, Elohim. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, with fainting heart, I call out to you. Set me down on a rock far above where I am now. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength in the face of the foes. I will live in your tent forever and find refuge in the shelter of your wings. Selah. For you, Elohim, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Don't even get me started on that verse there. That's one we really need to chew on, but it can't be today. Psalm chapter 51, verse 19. My sacrifice to Yahweh is a broken spirit. Yahweh, you won't despise a broken and contrite heart. We did this in our home here years ago. For weeks we talked about this in our gatherings here at our house. A broken down spirit. Broken down crushed a spirit and a heart that has been crushed to powder and you cannot reform a vessel that has been crushed to power powder if it's been merely cracked and set to the side you could glue it back together and probably make it some form that could contain what it previously contained but when you follow this scripture and you do what is a sacrifice to Yahweh and you have a broken crushed to powder spirit and heart, there is nothing of you left. There's nothing of me identifiable anymore. It cannot be put back together. It is impossible. Break down a clay pot into powder, friends, and then tell anyone on the earth, now put that back together. You cannot do it. It is impossible to be done. I believe that's what this text is saying. That is a sacrifice to Yahweh Elohim. Psalm chapter 38, verse 22, Don't abandon me, Adonai. 
Again, exclamation point. This was David crying out in desperation, friend. Are we desperate? Are we desperate? We've talked about this on the program before. A lot of times we are, we are always desperate, but only sometimes do we realize it and see it. We're never in control. I talked about that when I, I hit the wellhead with my truck and my son flew out of the seat because he had already taken his seatbelt off and his, his head hit the windshield and cracked it. Praise the Father, he was fine, but the Lord showed me clearly, Joel, you think you're in control, son. You're never in control. You're never in control. And that's okay. That's okay. That could be a revelation for many people. Maybe you. I don't know. You're not in control, friend. Come quickly to help me, Adonai. You are my salvation. Don't be far from me, my Elohim. Exclamation points all over the place. I felt this way today. I want to feel that way tomorrow and every day that follows from here on out for the rest of my days. We very, we very well might be headed into very dark times where many things that we love dearly, and rightfully so now, I'm not talking about pleasures of life and just extras. I'm not talking about going out to dinner now. I'm talking about our family, our very lives. Many things that we love could, could very well be affected in ways they have not ever been before in this nation. How will we fare? How will you fare? The Purpose in Our Heart series made it clear, I believe, to say we don't know yet. It's yet to be determined how we will respond. So how about you? How long has it been since you literally cried out for mercy? A desperate place. I mean, from a desperate place now, not, not mental ascent where you shifted gears into crying out for mercy because you know you're supposed to. I'm talking about something that rises up in your innermost place and you are crying out for a desperate plea to the Father to have mercy on me, the worst of sinners, and on my family, and on my friends, and even on my enemies and those who do not yet know you. How long has it been since you shed literal tears over your own condition? It, was, it had been too long for me. Especially towards those who have hurt me. It had been too long. So I'm grateful that that came today for me. And again, this is not something like, okay, stop the video and go do that. I'm not saying that. This is not how life works. All I'm saying is, in your correspondence with the Creator, <laughs> I would encourage you to go to that place, to your first love reality, and remember, if in fact you are born again, if you're not, you've got no place to go back to, and you've got to do this Teshuvah for the very first time, and you can email us and ask us about that. Message us on Facebook. We're all over the place. Ask us. We will, we will walk you through the Ezekiel Heart Exchange reality, friend. Don't go to a ChristianChurch.com website and ask Jesus into your heart, and after you do the five steps to be baptized and join a church, you're good now. Don't do it. That's not going to work in a day that's coming. I've, I've been saying that a lot this year. But instead, if in fact you have had that heart exchange, born again, 
experience, a new creation reality, friend, we've got to stay in that place. We've got to stay in that place of, of tenderness and gentleness and softness. Why? That's the heart of flesh that the Father has given us. One that feels and one that responds. To what? To what he feels. And to what he, to how he responds to what he sees and what he feels. Perfect. Integrity and virtue and mature. Because the Father is perfect. He is tamim, upright. He is without blemish. And we're told to be as he is. And because of the blood of Yeshua Messiah, that is, ab that is absolutely, although mysteriously and supernaturally possible. Possible. And for us. So friend, cry out today. Posture your heart to be humble. And say, oh, Father, hear my cry for mercy. You've been watching the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today. Pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Take one second and share this if it means one lick of anything to you or maybe to someone that you might know. Thank you for watching. Amen.